Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to our look at Revelation chapter 13. We're going to focus on verses 1 to 4 today, but first I want to take a broad look before we begin into this very important chapter. Revelation, you might remember, is a book that is focused on worshiping God. This chapter is focused on a different kind of worship, on a group of people who are worshiping a false beast, who are worshiping an evil one. As we walk through this chapter, you're going to see that everything in this chapter is a counterfeit. It's a picture of a counterfeit world, a counterfeit God. Last week in Revelation chapter 12, we saw the overall influence of evil in this world, and we answered the question from that chapter, why is there evil in the world? Why is there evil in the world? Because Satan is real. But also remember that God has not finished the story there. God is going to deal with evil in the world. Satan is real, but also God will not be defeated. But we're in the middle of some of that right now, and every victory has a battle that goes along with it, and we're in the midst of that battle. This week in chapter 13, we look at some of the details about some of the evil that's in the world, some of the battle that goes on. In many ways, this is a dark chapter. As we walk through it and look at these details, there are a lot of questions that this will bring up. I want us to take a look at this this week. We want to open up God's Word, go through it verse by verse, and answer the questions that are there. In many ways, this is the chapter that a lot of you have been waiting for. This is the chapter that has the beast. This is the chapter that has the mark of the beast. This is the chapter that has the 666. As we look, remember, remember the difference between prophetic revelation, prophetic interpretation, and prophetic speculation. It's very important with this chapter. Prophetic revelation is what God has clearly said. And some revelation everybody agrees on. Other revelation, all of it has to be interpreted, but other revelation, it's interpreted different ways. Prophetic interpretation is the historic, broadly held opinion about what God has said. Now, let me just say that if you have an opinion about something in God's Word that somebody has not come up with in 2,000 years, you're just wrong. You're not smarter than everybody in 2,000 years. So there's something wrong with that opinion because I do believe in the power of God's church, of God's people to speak to one another but sometimes we have different opinions about a passage. We'll look at that this week and be honest about that. There's prophetic revelation, there's prophetic interpretation. As we've said before, just reminding you, there's also prophetic speculation. That's just personal ideas about present possibilities. As we look at Revelation chapter 13, we'll see that it talks about two beasts. There's lots of ideas about what those might be, and many of them are speculative. It's okay to speculate as long as you realize it's just speculation. It's not interpretation. And we're going to try to draw the difference between those two and focus on interpretation as we go through this this week. We're going to work hard this week as we look at God's Word. And I hope that you will go away from this chapter knowing His Word in a deeper and a better way, in a way that gives you greater hope, greater confidence in God's future. In Revelation chapter 13, there are two beasts. There is a beast that comes out of the sea and a beast that rises out of the land. And we're going to look at both of them, beginning with the first beast, Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, the beast out of the sea. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads and ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. This beast out of the sea, that first verse begins the descriptions. What are all these descriptions we're going to look at the next few days mean? In a moment, the Bible is going to tell us that one of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound. What is that fatal wound? Who gives the authority to this beast? In this chapter, once again, we're going to see the 42 months or the three and a half years mentioned again. What is this about? Why does the Bible keep talking to us about this? 
Well, let's begin to dig in. In this first verse, we hear this picture of seven heads and we hear this picture of the crowns and the horns, 10 crowns and horns. What do these pictures mean in these scriptures? Overall, as we said last week, it's a picture of human power. That's what the horns and the hills that we're going to see later, that's what they represent. That's what the animals we're going to see later represent. But we're going to see also that this is power that set itself up against God. Notice we just read on each head, each depiction of power, there was a blasphemous name. Not God's name, but a blasphemous name. Now let's just walk into this a little bit more deeply. Let's get more specific about this. What does this mean? There are three basic interpretations people have had down the last 2,000 years. Interpretation number one is that this is just about the government of Rome in the day that it was written. The truth is, you can read many, many commentaries about the book of Revelation that have many, many different views about what this means. But in every one of them, there is a good, solid, biblical sense that Rome is involved somehow. There's something about Rome and what happens here at the beginning that's important. I don't believe it's all that's here, but it is important in what's here. In later chapters, we're going to see that these heads represent hills, and Rome is a city that's built on seven hills. It's making it pretty obvious here to these Christians who are being persecuted by the Roman government that the Roman government is an example of this kind of power. There's no doubt about it. When you and I look at this, I believe that it's an example of how God fulfills prophecy many times. There are some who believe that this is only about Rome in the early days, but I believe it's an example of how God fulfills prophecy. I'm one of those who believes in prophetic fulfillment in the past and in the future. It certainly happened with Jesus. Some of the prophecies of his first coming when he was born in Bethlehem, they were fulfilled in a smaller way in the day that that prophecy was written, only fulfilled in the greatest way when Jesus finally came. These are the same kinds of prophecies, I believe. Some of these prophecies were fulfilled in that day. Rome did fall, but these prophecies are going to be fulfilled in a greater way in the end. So the first idea is that it's all about Rome. I believe that it's somewhat about Rome. That's one interpretation. A second interpretation that people have of what is this beast is that it's about any power of any age that sets itself up as anti-God in the world, as any ruler, whether it's Rome or Nazi Germany or anything in between that sets itself up as a power, that sets itself up against God. Obviously, any power that's anti-God is a beast in one sense, but to me, that's too broad. There are some, though, who believe that that's what this is talking about, good, strong, solid believers who have believed that down through the last 2,000 years. There is a third interpretation, and that is the interpretation that this is a great final ruler of the world that seems to fit in this chapter. There are indications of this government or this person who will rule the world, this person who we have called the Antichrist. Not called that here, but we've called the Antichrist. The name Antichrist isn't found anywhere in the book of Revelation. It's found in other books in the New Testament. That's why I believe that there will be such a person. John in his letters, talks about the fact that there will be many antichrists. Paul talks about a man of lawlessness who will someday come. And again and again, there is this indication of some great final ruler. Now, which one is right? Is it Rome? Is it any power that sets itself up against God as a great final ruler? Which one of these do you choose? Believe it or not, I believe you can be faithful to God's word and choose all three. There is truth in all three of these. It is true that in Rome, you can see in the early days of Christianity, a power working to destroy the first century Christians. You can't miss it. So there was hope that was given to these people as they read these words. It is also true that you can see in any government that's ever existed that has oppressed those who believe in the truth, a beast, 
You can see indications of evil. So there's hope given to those of any generation who read these words. It is also true that God's indicated to us that someday what began in the first century and has continued to become greater and greater in all of the centuries is going to be culminated in one great final world ruler. That ruler, that rulership is going to set itself up against God and his people. That shouldn't surprise us. It's what happened at the beginning. It's what's happened all along. It shouldn't surprise us that it's what's going to happen at the end. So I believe that in one sense, all three of these are true. It was Rome. You and I can learn from that today. It's also obviously a great final world ruler. Revelation isn't the only place that talks about that. Now, if you drill down into this a little bit further, you drill down into the exact pictures, you see, okay, there's 10 heads and there's these horns. And what does that represent? Do the 10 heads represent something more than complete rule? Many people think that they do. That's why these verses are so important to so many as they study the book of Revelation. They think it means 10 great world rulers, leaders at the end, and the seven kingdoms maybe out of which these leaders will grow. That could be true, but now we're heading a little bit towards speculation. We need to know, you need to know, there's vast disagreement about what these kingdoms might be and what these nations might be. It's tough to find any two Christians who agree on this one. They did agree for a while when the European Economic Union had 10 countries in it. Everybody said, oh, that's it. Now we've got it settled. But then they added more countries and it messed up everybody's theology, everybody's prophetic theology. There are so many different ideas about what these 10 rulers could be and what these kingdoms could be. And all these different ideas indicate to me, whenever I'm studying God's word, when everybody has a different idea, that these are just man's ideas. When everyone has a different idea, guess where the ideas are probably coming from? Now, is it okay to speculate? Yes. But if it's interpretation, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to us and saying, there is evil in this world and it's represented in the governments of this world, you can see that. Then we all interpret it the same. Then we all see that. Is it okay to have opinions about this? Of course it is. But sometimes it's just a waste of time. Let's just be honest. If I get too caught up in the opinions and I miss the truth, it's obviously a waste of time. And I would rather focus on the defeat of evil in the world today than try to figure out who these 10 countries may or may not be. When that happens, it'll be clear, and they will be defeated. To whatever believers are on the earth at that time, it will be clear, and they will have hope. We all have ideas about the Bible and what's going to happen in the end. And there's vast disagreement about some of the timing and the details, and we see a lot of that in this chapter. That shouldn't bother us. Jesus said he didn't know the day or the hour, but only the Father who is in heaven. If we don't know the day or the hour, it shouldn't bother us because Jesus said he didn't know the day or the hour. Should it make us feel like we're not studying God's word hard enough if we can't figure out what Jesus said he couldn't figure out? Of course not. We shouldn't try to figure it out. Now, having said that, could this be an indication of something God wants us to understand? Of course. Horns usually indicate leaders, but there's just an indication. We don't know the end of that yet. And when looking at what God is saying to us here, you want to not miss the Old Testament picture. You want to not miss the pictures that come from the Old Testament. We're going to focus on that some tomorrow, what God is showing us here. The picture of how God is going to bring about the great final world victory over evil. The point that I want to end with is you cannot limit God's truth to the past or to the future. If you miss the point that these verses gave hope to the believers who suffered persecution from Rome, you have missed the point. If you miss the point that this book 
that these verses have continued to give hope to believers suffering from their government for the past 2,000 years, you have missed the point. And if I miss the point that a great leader will arise as the world comes to the end, who will be worshipped and then destroyed, I've missed the point. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to see the point, the point of hope, that you want to give hope into our lives. That instead of allowing the unfolding of your plan to destroy our hope, we should realize that you're in control. We should realize that you're never going to forsake those who are yours, that your promise is going to hold true. And thank you for the promises that are contained in the book of Revelation, the promises to your people. In your name we praise you. Amen.